Hey, Brandon. Coop, Coop. Hold on. Coop, is that you? <laughs> yeah, it's me, boy. What you doing? Welcome to the streak of lean. Man, man. What plan- What day is it? What planet am I on? Uh, it is hard to keep up. Um, the day is... Friday. It's Friday, but uh, I know yesterday, it's, it, the weeks are going fast and slow at the same time. Oh, man, it's been, it's insane. I feel like uh, I'm busier than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. That's busy. It's pretty busy. It's pretty uh, busy. I'm, I'm leaving Savannah right now. I just did a pickup point for my little online market and uh, got a haul ass back down to Camden and do my do a couple Camden County home deliveries for um, some of our elderly uh, citizens. And then, and then I have my pickup point in St. Mary's this evening. Let's so talk. Pa- real, sorry. That's good. Let, let's, we, uh, we're going to make this brisk. So let's talk real quick about what your, um, <laughs> how things have changed, what your new marketing schemes are and, and what, what any kind of online services you're using to move product. You want me to just throw that out there first? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, okay. Go. Okay. So, uh, so after a solid decade in the wholesale game, obviously all my restaurants closed, which we touched on the last episode was, I think probably like the day that happened. So I was, yeah, right, right. So I was pretty depressed, but I picked myself up by my bootstraps, put a, I got a pocket full of grizzly and a refrigerator <laughs> full of Topo Chico. And I decided to uh, to just do what I do, which is to grow food and um, and and just figure it out. And so what I did is I changed my website to be an, basically it's an online market. And if you live on the coast or you know South Georgia, but the pickup basically the way it works is you go on the website. It's just like a grocery store. You can pick what you want: eggs, pork chops, sausage, whole chickens, you know, whatever. And um, you put it in your cart and you pay for it. That way I don't got to touch your, touch your dirty money and uh, go ahead and pay for it on the online store. And then I have pickup points. So I have a pickup point in St. Mary's. I have a pickup point in Brunswick. I have a pickup point in St. Simon's and then another one in Savannah. And um, basically you come through on the pickup point. It all stays pretty consistent. You come through. And most people, man, Coop, don't even get out of their car. They just pull Mm. through the parking lot, and I grab their order. They tell me their name. I grab their order, and I hand it to them, and that's it. You know, you got a healthy healthy way to eat, um, you know, in a safe, like a safe buying experience. And it's been pretty sweet. I mean, shout out to uh, the Wild Dock restaurant in Savannah. That's my pickup point and longstanding account for me. And then also 401 West in St. Mary's is another pickup point and another longstanding account for me. And, uh, oh yeah. And then also Halyards at St. Simon's. I, I, Halyards is in the same parking lot as the movie theater. So we use the movie theater quote parking lot, but um, Halyards is right there and I sell eggs to them. And then they're also doing a little CSA that we're a part of. Uh, for St. Simon's folks. So it's, it's, it's been pretty cool. I've dreamt of many a night of being in retail and here I am. When we talked last, you, I mean, the world was coming to an end for you and Mm -hmm. uh, how have things changed in terms of sales volume? And it was crazy. It's almost like it, it, it will have to be a movie or a book someday, not about me, just about what happened because, you know, call it like the day the grocery stores ran out of food. And like the we, the weirdest thing about doing this all these years is that's kind of, you know, the narrative of a lot of small growers is it, it's like that's part of the narrative is it is it's, like it's a the food. sales. Yeah. It's, yeah, this is what you need to work. This It's a resilience thing about the food supply. It's about food. Um, yeah. Food security. Yeah. You can't have, you know, I've said a million times over the years, you can't have 10 corporations control the food supply of the planet. Well, you know, just there are four corporations essentially that control the uh, meat processing in the United States. And um, there have been, I think, three facilities that are shut down by Smithfield in the last week. Who's Um, owned by the Chinese now. Right. And the one, and I think it's in South Dakota, but it's in one of the Dakotas, accounts for 5% of the entire pork supply. They shut down because, you know, employees um, have uh, been identified with with 
coronavirus. And so just for the safety, they have to shut down, not allow employees in. But think about that. Think about one plant controlling 5% of the pork supply. Um, oh, phenomenal amount of meat. And, and, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder with a lot of people. Yeah, right. This is all that that's the way this works is that a lot of people are, are not cutting things up. Um, that also should I mean, that should bode well for your whatever price you're asking for. Right. I mean, if there's less meat in the supply chain. Um, I think the you, prices I mean, I've told people I've wondered I've never had it. I haven't had anybody ask me. I haven't had anybody say that it, anything was expensive. I've had comments about how it's reasonably priced. Um, like I'm selling eggs for four bucks a dozen, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's a pasture, oh. man. That's a pasture-raised egg, Hoss. Well, uh, Brandon. So the Walmart in Americas has not really had any supply disruptions. I mean, we had the toilet paper issue at the very beginning, and then there was some some nice steak cuts that were going. But there's never been a problem with you know with general supply there, and especially like fresh fruit and produce. Yeah. However, for the first time in my entire life, I went to a store last week and there were zero eggs. Walmart had no eggs at all. Oh, I'm selling. Yeah, it's insane. It's the same in Camden. So I was really like, I was basically, I had the attitude of like, I'm not going to stop. You know, because I kind of had the attitude of like, well, this is all I got now is is the farm. And, you know, I'm just going to do it and we'll see what happens. And so I set up these, these, pickup points and man the response has been over like totally overwhelming i mean i didn't have to do a lot as far as um, i had the animals i had the product so to speak but i had to change up how we package things and um, from wholesale to retail and then get used to a lot of logistics you know that i wasn't really used to as far as selling retail yeah. And uh, man, but the response like in Camden County and St. Simons and Savannah and Fernandina, you know, Yulee area has been just phenomenal. Just people just just. Yeah, it's been great, man. And so it's totally changed like what I do. And also um, it's rejuvenated me, man, because. When I first started farming 10 years ago, that, that's pretty much what I thought I'd be doing, was doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money hand over fist. <laughs> well, I don't know. if you see. It's more expensive to do the retail, too. So yeah, right. Like, hand over fist would be a stretch, but I still have to have restaurants, I think, in order to stay permanently in business. But if restaurants open back up and I can keep the retail going um, – it like maybe 50 or 60% of where it's at right now, which I think is probably realistic. Um, I'll never have to build another fence for somebody else. I'll never have to stand in another man's yard with a shovel and do anything. Which wow. Would be great. Yeah. I can just focus on doing what I'm doing and um, which is the way it should be, you know, and, and um, you know, but I mean, when I say like what I thought I'd be doing, I mean like from the sense of, you know, supplying my, region in my community with food you know what i mean yeah yeah, absolutely playing some game and um unfortunately the wholesale you you, it does um it kind of morphs over the course of a decade it does morph into sort of a game of of cat and mouse and uh it can it can burn you out i mean i've touched on that a bunch you know and uh so it's been it's been like a shot in the arm man i'm i'm kind of uh i'm really busy but i'm really happy i'm at the farm working a lot it's the first this is the first spring that i've gone into the spring with everything is working my tractor is working like like a like a just a fine piece of machinery my zero turn mower is working wow the trucks are both working um i'm hitting on all cylinders for the first time in a long motherfucking time and it feels fucking good (laughs) yeah everything else tanks around Oh. I mean, dude, I got gardens, I got veggies in, we got sweet corn, watermelon, I'm making my kids plant shit. I got all the implements, you know, I've, I've, um, I'm able to, to use the tractor in the field and do what I'm needing to do. And it's just incredible. Well, you know, it is funny, like you said before, this is a, this is a homesteader slash small farmer slash anti-establishment wet dream and you know it's the whole thing of like look the system's going to fail i remember this is what they said in deliverance i think burt reynolds said this the system's going to fail and then what and and you know the 
this globalization thing really makes everybody more uh, susceptible to to contagions um, um, and, and supply disruptions. So like yeah. here's the system failing, and here's exactly what what we all kind of. I mean, we don't want it to come come about like this, but I mean, I, I'm someone who would be much rather, I would much rather see a local food system thrive, which everyone has backyard gardens and we're really supporting our local farmers. I mean, that, that doesn't mean it. I want the other system to evaporate. I just think we want layers of these systems on top of each other. And this one should be the first one that we support. Yeah. And then the other ones should be the supplemental ones. And you start to see things now. I mean, really a, a, a kind of reverse where people are talking about regional regional trade, regional economies, and, and, and literally decoupling Chinese, Chinese and American um, supply chains because of all this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, weird, and weird uh, uh, socio, or I guess political ramifications across the world as well. You know, I mean, I'm not oh, sure. I mean, I would just yeah. say like the, the Brexit thing, right? It doesn't, in a weird way, it makes people who, uh, who are for, you know, more isolationist policies Right. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, why are you put? Why are you lining lining China's pockets with money mm-hmm. when 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 you can see that they're, uh, if not just outright outright reckless, just pretty nefarious. Depending on the more info that comes out about this, yeah. And I mean, it's crazy because my brother, you know, he's in Gwinnett. So like when this was this was going on in Gwinnett, like two weeks before it hit Camden, as far as the food shortages and stuff right and he's joking with me on a text he's like you're going to be the king of saint mary's you're going to be the only person around with chicken and i'm joking back with him like oh yeah man that chicken doesn't look that expensive now does it and uh you know like where were y'all at the past 10 years you know what it just just kidding around yeah and then and then literally it's like goliath goliath fails and david is standing there with like four deep freezers full of meat and a shitload of animals running around. Yeah. Um, my cousin who, uh, owns an eggplant, um, that's, that's a plant that, that processes chicken eggs, not a giant eggplant, um, up in uh, Hall County. They, they, they've been making a lot of money obviously because the egg supply has dwindled. And then even when I went to Walmart, it talked about, there were signs that said the egg prices had come up and that they were apologizing to their customers uh, and trying to work with vendors to, to moderate those, those prices. But my cousin said, you know, they started selling that eggs two, three weeks ago. Um, and then, well, I should say they'd almost always have a high right about now because the Easter is a, is a major season for egg producers. Yeah, for so, sure. So they had they hit a peak before Easter, and then they even still had kind of a bump in Easter anyway. Even though people weren't having the same kind of gatherings as they used to, they, Easter still happened. You know, people still buy eggs. They still do stuff. And he said, you know, the thing he's worried about, although he's not really worried because he's making a lot of money is that okay what happens then if we do start to pull in retail back online restaurants and things he said there will be a shortage of eggs um but it's really so i guess the other question is random do you think this goes on for six months and a year five years or does this something that levels out you think you mean like being like a shift towards this this type of buying yeah yeah i think where i live because south georgia um you know it's like South Georgia is a notorious, it's not Virginia. Okay. It's not California. It's no. not, it's South Georgia, man. And it's not, it's not been the best, the most fertile place for like quote local food. Although when you go to like towns like Reedsville and around there, you, you everybody, you know, you, you, there's farm stands, you'll find silver yeah. queen corn, you know, and muscadines and tomato, you pick tomatoes and collard green, you know? So there is local food still, even though it's never been like, market well, there's not you know, you know there's not any social capital in 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 buying local food you know there's not any like you don't get any style points for going to a farmer's market i mean it's, yeah that's right that's it's, right it's something it's 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 i would say that it's it's part of the fabric but it's also one that's still based on convenience and people still go spend money on on silver queen yeah. corn on, on peas things like that no Watermelon, and, they, they want, and they want it because the quality is better and they know right. that because that's what they grew up on. And right. um, so it's been weird, you know, selling in Camden. You, I get a lot of people that have bought pork chops and bought sausage and they've made comments like older people make comments like, oh, my God, this tastes like my grandfather's sausage. 
cool. You know, and so it's like a throwback to um, and pork chops. You know, people are just blown away. Like I get texts, you know, where people are telling me they're like literally like gnawing on the bone from a pork chop. And it's like, well, you know, it's it's not that I'm doing anything special. It's just that it's just that it's not a lean breed of hog. You know, it's yeah. flavorful and and whatever. And so, I think that that's really like kept a lot of the. Um, I think initially what happened was the grocery stores ran out of food. But see now at like Winn Dixie, there's food. I don't know about the yeah. eggs, but there's food. And but it, it what I've what I'm doing is continued to grow. And I think what it is is that it's. Um, I think people have been turned on to the taste and they like the, uh, they like the connection and they like the, they like the thought that they're buying something that's more, that's more nutritious from, and they know where it's coming from. Right. And it's right. like, it's something you can grab onto, like, uh, yes, yeah, tangible, an idea of something that when the world wasn't up, something that makes sense. The farmer well, has his shit and he's selling it and I'm buying it. Well, and I think I, th- I think that there's a psychology in this whole virus thing too, and that it, you're talking about the invisibility and abstraction of it, that it doesn't make sense, that um, that it's, this is not like a visual change that has happened across the countryside. It's it, unless you're looking at the news. The news is, is changing, but like for me personally, no one in my like immediate circle that I know of has coronavirus. Um, I. Outside of, you know, of going out downtown to stores and seeing fewer, less traffic, there's no immediate effect that I know of. It's, it's what I talked about a little bit on our last one, our, la- our podcast, is that I think for 99.9% of us, we're just going to take these signals from our media and our government of what we're supposed to do. And then they're just going to give us a different signal one day and we're going to go about, go about our, our, our business again. Um, you know, it's like, it, you know, this is not the plague. Um which, which also, I just want to say, too, that I want to touch about this coronavirus for just a second. Nothing, I, I might say some contrarian things here. Nothing I'm trying to say is minimizes the effect of it or really calls into question at this point in time what we had to do in terms of also minimizing the effect and, and the spread of it. That, you know, if you're if you're a politician, it's like we talked about with the snowpocalypse, you've got to make the most cautious decision possible. Like, you can't be on the clock if you didn't do something in time. Yeah. So, that's right. and so it, you know, so it makes sense. I mean, these quarantine things make sense. And then the question is like, when do you, un, when you unlock them? And of course the, the story about this is going to be written for a, a century about, you know, deaths, how bad it was, what really, what really, how, what were our best methods to control it? What worked, what didn't work, what happened in China, what happened maybe before China too? I mean, was this something that, that, was it created in China or, or it started in China? Or was it something that actually had been around for a little while? Um, I, I will say there's, there's just for two, two, three minutes here is that, you know, to me, I, because I said this on the last podcast is that uh, I'm not concerned personally about my health uh, at all. Um, and I also think that what this does more than anything is that it represented or it, it reflected the crisis that we have in our healthcare system and even in our elected officials. Like there's no reason we watched this half play out in China for a month and there was no reason for us not to have ventilators and masks and whatever else you needed. Like this, you know, this, this happened, we saw it happening and then we said, Oh, look what's going on in China. And then it hit here and we didn't have supplies all of a sudden. So, yeah, and, and, that's right. And it shouldn't, and we talked about healthcare last time. There's who, Outside of the political leaders, who would have thought the health care system was going to be able to take care of this? Well, they can't even get their billing right on a, on a simple, like, uh, you know, outpatient matter. Um, I mean, I've, I also have experiences with, with people who tell me, you know, when they, they've gone in to go get a major surgery, they'll take a permanent marker and mark the, the arm or the leg or the section of their body that, that needs the operation. Because they know or they're afraid that, that there'd be that kind of mix up that people would just get the wrong side of the body. Oh man. Um, like going in to have arm surgery and you're taking a sharpie and like marking your arm like yeah, with a bullseye. This arm, yeah. 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 That's awesome. this arm. Yeah. The, um, I'm with you on but that. It, it it definitely exposed a lot. Well, I, th- I think and I think what I what I look at is it's a public health crisis. Yeah, the, sort of was there. It has, well, we have acute, you know, this doesn't, unless you have acute symptoms, 
that's not really going to like, it's not going to kill you. I mean, the, the Department of Health, Georgia Department of Health has a really nice, not nice, but it has this exhaustive list right now of all the deaths and all the people who have who've had it so far. And I would say 99% of the people who have died from it are over age 50 and have had underlying symptoms. Um, that what it really showed is that as a public health crisis is how unable we are to respond to th- things like this. Um, and I, I just wanted to, to throw out a couple numbers real quick because I think this is important is that Southwest Georgia has been the hardest hit on a per capita basis. Um, If you go to the Department of Public Health website and just Google Georgia Department of Public Health, you'll see that, um, I mean, here, Sumter, we're right in the middle of it, but like there, if if the color-coded maps, Southwest Georgia and Atlanta have the the most dense colors, that the most deaths in the state are in Doherty County at 91. And I said that last time too, if this thing hits Albany, this is where you're going to have problems because you don't have a great hospital system there. You already had fewer nurses when it started than they should have had. And then the very first death in Georgia was a man who came from Atlanta, went to a funeral in Albany. And they actually had two funerals where people touched each other a lot and then contagion spread yeah. from there and then went back to Atlanta and died. But he went to the hospital in Albany first and no one knew about COVID at that time. So the once after he left, they, he had six to eight nurses that attended to him during that time, and then they had to take them off of the um, the cycle, whatever. They had to, they had to be taken out. So then you had a, a larger deficit of, of health workers there. Um, here's the, so here here are the numbers real quick in Georgia. We've had, of course, these numbers, all these numbers, and all these percentages are actually the numbers are higher and the percentages are lower because not everyone who's had symptoms has been tested. There have been Total in Georgia, out of we have ten and a half million people, seventeen thousand one hundred ninety-four cases. Um, the number of people hospitalized has been three thousand three hundred twenty-four. That's nineteen point three three percent. The number of deaths has been six hundred fifty. That's three point seven eight. So think about it. we have six hundred fifty deaths. Fulton County has had seventy-three deaths. Doherty has had ninety-one deaths, and then after that, Cobb fifty-one. Then you're moving down a little bit, but. Um, there, there's nothing, nobody else that you can go scattered through. There's you know, 36, 23, 14, then a lot of single digits. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, the other interesting thing, and this is not going to surprise anybody if, if you live in Georgia, and this is why I said about the Albany part, is that what it's done is it's affected poor people more than anybody else. And when you talk about poor people in Georgia, you'd often talk about black people. And, you know, that just because of the way that our history has been and the way that actually we talk about rural Georgia and had the agricultural economy, these rural places, it's not the ag economy necessarily. It's just there's no other economy outside of yeah. ag. Um, sometimes, sometimes we like to say, well, the ag economy, you know, commodities have failed our local communities. But in many ways, too, we have to say, well, there's just not any other uh, there's not any economy on top of those things. There's no other yeah, well, you, well, when you when um, when 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 agriculture in, when the industrial agriculture took away the notion of a small to mid-sized farmer that could grow something and then sell that for a reasonable price or a shrimper, you know, yeah. and, you, and the market gets flooded with, say, Chinese shrimp uh, that are just hyper cheap. You know, when you take away those occupations, yeah, you're out in the country. Like, what else? What are you left with? You know, you're left with what they build, the plants they build for you to go work in. That's right. And then, yeah, that's right. And, and you know, not everybody wants to work in agriculture. I mean, we have to be fair there, too, that, you know, that that it, the agriculture for most of the population is um, the bottom rung of jobs. You know, people don't want to be outside and get stung and sunburned. Yeah, they're crazy. Um, but, yeah, they, I agree know. with you. They're crazy. You don't want to be <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and dipping and get your shirt off. <laughs> this is awesome. It, it's for... I, I agree. I agree. I, I also believe that the more I get bit by bugs, the more my immune system is is um, is activated, and the less I have to worry about. Yeah, um, that's right. All that kind of stuff. Things. Every time I get chicken manure on me, I think, you know, you've just buffered yourself a little bit more, my friend. You may want to even dab some on your beard before you go home. <laughs> All right. So last bit of numbers here, um, at least on COVID, and then I, I want to make another point, but we'll hold up on that. Is that so the number of uh, African-Americans in Georgia have had the majority of cases. Um, there have been 33,641 cases by African-Americans, and of those, 321 people died. 
the uh, there have been 255 cases among the white population, and of those, 219 have died. So if we've got roughly 600 plus um, uh, deaths, you know, half of those are coming from the African American community, and it's 100 more than the white community. And uh, let's not forget, African Americans are a minority in yeah. the state. You know, it's not like so. What's happened is it's just you know for whatever reason, and we can do the forensics on this later. Um, uh, is that uh, it's it's really ripped through the African American community, and then I think you know what's happened there, which is I've been following along with New Orleans as well too. Some of the, some of the stories coming out of that, and New Orleans and Albany are very similar to Montgomery, you know, Macon, Memphis, uh, poor black communities. And where elderly people have high tension, high blood pressure, uh, pulmonary issues, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so when this comes through those communities, then it is can be pretty lethal. It's still it's still, though, it's only lethal on three percent of the people who get it. Is it lethal for? And and if you look at the the flu data, it, which is really interesting, is that the flu this year in, has been the second worst flu um, outbreak since 2009. And I think you're going to, when we come back and we'll tell the story, we're going to tell it in tandem with what happened to the flu, because I think we already had like, uh, and actually to, to, to let me just add to that too, is that certain levels over the, um, over the last 52 weeks over the flu season, excuse me, um, we have been over epidemic status and when it, it comes in terms of mortality of the flu. Wow. So I, th- so, I mean, for, for example, right now, Based on the National Center for Health Statistics, mortality surveillance data available on April 16th was 11.9% of the deaths occurring during the week were due to pneumonia and influenza. This percentage is above the epidemic threshold of 7%, uh, which is, of course, we said, what, 3% for mortality in Georgia for COVID. This week, it was 11.9%. Now, if you go through it, and even before COVID hit, we were up above epidemic um, thresholds throughout the season. For flu. Uh, yeah. For flu, right. Or just so good old-fashioned flu. Good old-fashioned flu. And, I, and so we'll talk about this story about COVID because we'll talk about it as an analogy to the flu because it moves the same way as the flu as far as contagiousness. And I think, you know, we're going to have to talk about, like, how we deal with the flu versus COVID going forward. Um, the, the also, the interesting thing about the flu is the flu is normalized. So we just go, the flu, right? And everybody's just expected to build up. You know, to have some kind of tolerance and, and to deal with it. And then maybe we'll get to a point where we say, oh, it's the COVID. I mean, it becomes a sampling that's like, yeah, it sucks. It's going to kill people, especially folks with underlying conditions. But that's what it is. But I think the other part about it is what, that uh, also is that um, the flu has been especially bad. And that may have affected our hospital bed situation. Yeah. And that also affected people who, who, who got, who may, they may have had already had the flu or had gotten over the flu and were already compromised that's to some right. extent. Um, and if you also look at it, Georgia is is on, on the high activity range. Georgia, South Carolina. Actually, if you really if you look at it right now, uh, the surveillance report for influenza is um, or influenza like activity. Um, Georgia, the, the states that have the highest amount right now are South Carolina, Louisiana, New York, um, and then secondarily Georgia's right next to it, and and it's all in high. Now, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist or a scientist, but I, I think that these are, you know, these are little bits and pieces that are being left out of the story that will be part of the story before it's over with. Yeah, I um, agree. Um, all right, so, Brandon, I just went on a, a little thing there. I, I want to say something real quick, and then I'm going to turn it back over, is that um, if you are a, a hospitality worker and you have been, uh, you have suffered because of this, um, we, we want to, to uh, spotlight a couple organizations in Georgia that are trying to help folks. And also, if you want to don- donate to these organizations, please do. Um, one is the Firebox Initiative. And we just just Google these names um, if you're interested. And that helps uh, uh, restaurant workers uh, on the coast. Do you have anything you, you could add to that? I, I'm not as... Um, um, well, they, they help with uh, expenses and they, they feed. It seems to me that they... it's um. I think, you know, the firebox thing is like Southern Soul Barbecue, and then they do this firebox um, barbecue thing every year, like a festival, you know, and so, but I've been noticing that they've been actually giving away meals to a lot, you know, like if you're out of work and you're a restaurant worker, you can go to 
um, their, their, one of their pop-up locations and, um, or, or whoever's cooking or whatever, and they'll give you a free meal. And if you're in Southwest Georgia, if you're in Albany, um, and Albany's hit also a lot of national news here lately, um, Google Flint River Fresh. Flint River Fresh is doing, um, is partnering with local restaurants to also deliver uh, meals, and they're putting together produce boxes from their teaching demonstration gardens to, to give to workers, not just in the restaurant industry, but also to um, uh, people in the, in the education and in the school system, because the school system was delivering as part of its USDA partnership. You know, they give free and reduced yeah. meals uh, and summer meals to kids. Well, because they had uh, an employee in the school system come down with, or, with COVID, that basically we had to stop that. So we've got a real oh, issue man. in Albany. Well, Albany, 100% of the Albany school population qualifies for free and reduced lunch. Yeah, re, uh, Tattnall um, was like that. They all, nobody had to pay yeah. for lunch. And then Camden has free uh, breakfast for everybody. Right, right. So this this is incredibly important, that, you know, to get people food, to oh, yeah. food, and, and have this. Well, people don't that. people don't realize some... that you know you know a lot. Well, I mean, a lot of people realize it, and then I guess a lot of them don't. But there, there's an awful lot of kids that don't yeah. eat regularly during the summertime. You know, when the school yeah, yeah there are a lot when of the kids. school's not feeding them, they that right. may be the meal that they get, and it, and that's a fact of. And I'm not saying that New York City that's a fact south georgia come down i don't care where, where you're at glenn camden even even places like you know go to brunswick you know, there's plenty of kids that aren't eating when school's out that's right they, these kids depend upon the schools to feed them i heard a heartbreaking story from the head of the uh, school nutrition in, in doherty county where he said you know it's not just they're feeding the kids but a lot of the issues they have with discipline are actually about food where um and his example was they had a kid that was um, had stolen from a teacher's purse and they brought him in. They said, you know, what's going on? And the deal is, is that when he got home, he, you know, the children ate after the parents. And so that night he'd had a quarter of a quarter of a quarter of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so like, he's looking for food. And sometimes, you know, even like their, their, their outcomes as students, yeah. you know, oh, scores, yeah. right. It's like, how do you, how can you focus and you care? Can't. If you don't How have can you food focus and care when your parent's such a piece of shit that he's giving you the crumbs after he eats? Yeah, I mean that yeah. guy should be put in jail for that. I, I'd starve. Before. I'd let my kids eat. You know, I do that all the time. I'll eat. Right. You know, whatever y'all eat it. I don't. I'll eat some cereal or something. I'll pop a dip in. And well, I'll be good to go. Well, you know. You know I'm, <laughs> I mean, you know, look that's where the animal kingdom is, no, is noble, right? More noble than human yeah, beings. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, you yeah, they'll. All right, so here's the other thing. Um, so Flint Refresh is important. Please, if you're in the Albany area, they're not going to do this forever because they're also depending on donations. But they've moved across. They've also been doing first responders. They've done the hospital workers. It's, it's that whole community, anybody they can reach out to. If you're Atlanta, um, Google the Giving Kitchen. Um, they may have a, a program right now for, for um, restaurant workers. And then also um, – if you're a farmer and you're a member of Georgia Organics, I encourage you to, to Google Georgia Organics and the Farmer Fund. Um, they're also trying to put together some kind of some relief for folks. Um, and I think the, there's going to be more information and, and we'll try to do uh, uh, a podcast sooner. We've just had a lot of things happen the last two weeks. Um, but I think Those are good, um, all good points. Well, I like, yeah, I like what you're saying there and shout out, you know, to restaurant workers. Like if you're a restaurant worker and you're out of work, man, it sucks, but, you know, uh, it's going to get better, you know, and, and, and you'll come back strong and, um, you know, take it as an opportunity to, um, to, to, I don't know, you know, sometimes like adversity, like can breed good things. Don't let it get you down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You'll make it, you'll get through and you'll look back and it'll be a cool story. Yeah. The, um, yeah, uh, I, I think when we get together next time, we'll have some more information also about some government programs. Um, at this point in time, the $9.5 billion that was allocated as part of the CARES Act, it was, it was going to go to USDA and then be distributed out to farmers. There's been no uh, information. We expected it to happen this week, and, and maybe it's happening right now as we talk. Um, the good news about it, or I should say it's, it's you ex look for it to immediately help specialty crop producers and livestock, not necessarily row crop farmers. The good news about it, if you're in small direct farming, is that 
there was some word they, that, or some thought that they were going to make people, they were only going to issue money to people who had FSA numbers through, through the Farm Service Agency. Right. And uh, most small farmers don't do that because they don't rely on FSA for their loans. Um, they, they kind of, most small farmers operate outside of USDA, except for the NRCS, National Resource Conservation yeah. Service. The last, on a Georgia Farm Bureau call last Friday, um, there's a really stellar uh, farmer, Demetrius Milling, who uh, works at Love is Love Farm. And he asked a question about how are small and direct farmers, people who have used farmers markets, how are they affected by this? And how are they going to get their money um, as part of the CARES Act? And so uh, Secretary, uh, Ag- Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, I have to kind of stop myself real quick to make sure people understand uh, who I'm talking about, because I could just like run through the names and, and all these little programs, uh, said that they, they're they going to have a, an online application system through uh, USDA AMS. Um, and all that means is that you know we'll have more information out, but if that's the way they go, it means it's going to be much easier, theoretically and simpler, for folks to apply for things. And so potentially, Brandon, you may be in line for some money coming out. Of I that. mean, I, I um, should, gonna, you know, I, I sh- if other yeah. businesses are, I lost all my, all my business, you know, I've been, I've been lo- yeah. fortunate and blessed, you know, lucky enough to be like able to switch gears like hyper fast. But if I, man, if I didn't do that, dude, if I didn't, if I wasn't like Eminem and eight mile, you know, like B rabbit, like throwing up <laughs> yeah. in the trash can bathroom, you know, like if I didn't grab, seriously, if I didn't grab that, like, right when it happened man it'd be i would be totally screwed right now i would have zero income yeah well all right we're gonna have to hop off in just a second also the i don't know if have you tried to get the, the payment protection program um enroll in that through the no FDA, i was i was gonna and then um i kind of shied back because i kind of felt like i'm i'm leery of stuff like that because i feel like they're gonna they ran out of money right but then yeah, the, first yeah, of all, they're I out can't. of money. Yeah, I would say second of all, well, they ran out. They didn't issue guidance on how self-employed um, people are supposed to apply until Tuesday, and then Wednesday they ran out of money. So they'll refill it, but it's also been a mess. I mean, I, I, I give them some leeway on this because it's a brand-new program, and they're just trying to get money out into yeah. the economy. But um, hopefully we'll figure this out by a week or two. And I won't, we won't even go into like, I mean, Bank of America has been all over the place on it as far as like oh, how to yeah. apply. Yeah. And try to you get can't in even go into the work. bank branch. I bank with a local bank. No, no. I, I was real skeptical. Initially I was like, yeah, I'll probably do that. And then I started thinking, what if you do that? They give you money and then they're going to come up with some sort of thing down the road where you're going to, it's going to be like, okay, well, you have to show us X, Y, and Z. And then, so what if you can't show that to them exactly what they're wanting to see, then you're going to be hung with a big loan. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I would, I, a loan would really help me right now because I could, um, I'm actually in a position where I feel like I could, I could really push through to like be something much better than, than I've ever been. But I yeah. need like some beef cows. I need some. I need, you know, now I need like maybe some capital to like hire somebody that I quarantine, you know, for three weeks, make him live with the pigs for three weeks before he can actually start working <laughs> around me. Um, but, you know, grow. So I'll, I'll definitely be interested in that, that, um, the ag one that you're talking about for sure. Oh, well, I, so um, we'll have an update when we get together again about all the other things. I mean, I, I need to talk a little bit about what's going on with my work because essentially we don't have meetings. I don't, we don't have a lot of what I do. Um, and we'll, uh, got some fun personal development. Oh, I love that. That's and, good. And then we'll update, uh, well, hopefully we'll have some solid information people can move on um, when it comes to all these USDA programs and everything else. I mean, essentially what's happened is in the last two weeks, it's been a never ending uh, run of webinars about the, the government programs and what's next. And none of it makes sense. None of it is, uh, is actionable. And a lot of it is just repetition. I mean, I got on one last week that, you know, a lot of them say, well, more details will come. And then they had an accountant come on and do a SWOT analysis about like, this is what you should do in a situation emergency like this. And it was not even about COVID. It was just like, think about spending less money, cut back on employees um, for like 45 minutes through the organic trade That's association, odd. which is like, wait, I don't need to get on this for 30 minutes. Tell me not spend money right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. OTA for doing that. It's insane, man. I mean, um, 
Yeah, Coop. We're all uh, we're all battling through. I'd love to hear more about what's going on on your end for sure when we when we have more time. Well, another news, Brandon. It is a go- it has been a gorgeous week. Oh, it's oh so cool! Fifty five degrees at the farm yesterday morning. Yeah, it's frigid. It's not frigid, but it's cold and it's in the morning. And oh, it's just the the hydrangeas. Oh, the hydrangeas like starting to bloom. You're a real flower uh, boy. I love it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it is. It has just been fantastic. It's it's such a um, a contrast, uh, and I don't even read the news anymore. Basically, to to say like you know, the world is coming to an end, and to step outside and it to be just the most um, oh the satsumas yeah, are edenic. just vomiting, vomiting this invisible <laughs> fragrance in the atmosphere. And, and man, you walk through that orchard, dude, and there's a hundred trees blowing invisible chunks at you. And it smells so good. And there, I, I, I was busting my ass working and, like, got done, went to the fridge to get me. I've, I've been on a – I keep the Topo Chico's, but I've been on the Waverly Minute Mart's had um, Fago on sale, a 12-pack of Fago for, like, yeah, yeah. three bucks, right? So this – Fago, a lot of the flavors are not great, but the grape is fantastic. So I keep, like – I, I've been staying on that grape Fago. So I, I was going Man. to get me a, a Fago out of the <laughs> fridge. It was late, you know, about maybe six in the afternoon. And man, the, the amount of butterflies that was in that orchard on those flowers. Really? Was, I looked up and it was like, there's got to be a hundred butterflies out here. Just That's flying great. around. That's you great. Know, to every, it's covered in flowers. I'm going to have so many satsumas. It's going to be stupid. That's great. That's, maybe this is the time to have Satsumas this year. Yeah, you know, um, all this stuff. I hope that people, you know, wherever you're at, I hope that people hear this, no matter your political slant or, like, where you live. But, you know, think about, you know, I think it's important that people, I hope that some people take from this, what, what have we lost? Well, we've outsourced everything, and we've become a nation of total, All we, we're a nation of consumers, not producers. And yep. what have we lost? You know, we've, we, we have really sort of done a number on ourselves and, and we've lost a lot, you know, in terms of like what we produce, but also what, what's behind what we produce, culture, you know, and, and values. Wendell Berry talks about that a lot. You know, in rural America, when you lost small farms, you lost small, small farm values. And when that happens, yes. you lost something major that you can't get back you and it turned into a degradation of society because those farm values were what sustained this country for you know hundreds of years well and it's it's land values too it's land ethic if when you are divorced from relationship with the land that it changes the way it makes you some you're not no longer thinking about productivity you know you're 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 a receiver slash consumer that's right and you don't have you don't have an ethic to think about what your legacy is. You know, you don't think about what you're putting in. I, I think I think that there's there's something about land that in a way dissolves the ego. Oh yeah. Because you're totally the, in, you're not man, you, if you don't believe in God, go farm for a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, go go do you know, when you're outside and you're dealing with the elements, you, you realize there's so much you don't have any any control over at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. All right, Brandon, hey, this is good, that man. Was great, um, Hang in we'll, there. Uh, you still, hey, uh, you still. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, I know you think that it's not a big deal, but I'm telling you, you don't want to get just wear a mask or something. Don't, don't catch this fucking thing. Oh, no, I'm not trying to yeah. catch it. Don't get no, me they're going to come here. out. I'm don't, telling you, I they're going to come out down the road. They're going to say something nefarious behind it. They're going to say something like, "Well, you, you catch it and it's with you for life, like herpes." Or China manufacture, you know, something to it, man. You know, what yeah, I'm yeah. Look, look, look. I'm not trying to like. I just, I will continue to play contrary on everything. But don't get me wrong here. I am not going out and like. I'm keeping my six foot. Oh yeah, distance, I know you are. I, I didn't mean uh, it like that. I know you are. I'm, I'm watching yeah, my hands. You don't, you don't have any but, more I mean, control I, I, over catching it than I do, and I just say that to people like, you know, like I know you. I know you're taking precautions. I don't mean it like that. Oh. Believe me, look, look, my mom texts me every day <laughs> to make sure she checks all the numbers. She sees what the numbers are in Sumter County because we've had a have bunch you? here. Um, 
Oh yeah, yeah. We're up. We're up in the. Um, I think we've had three or something. I can't three. remember. Not, not deaths, seriously. We've had twenty three in Camden. Well, I'm telling you, Southwest Georgia is the hot 300 spot. Three hundred something cases in Americas. In Sumter, well, the, yeah, and we don't have we don't these Carroll County, um, Lee County's had a ton, but we have some really low population counties around here, and you'll and per capita the percentage is unbelievable, and it's because you know I, well, first of all, Sumter I trust because we have a hospital, so the numbers I think are going to be pretty more fair, and I'm also not worried because we have a our hospital actually even though it's owned by phoebe which runs the hospital in albany is probably a better hospital because it's newer um but yeah dude this you know it's if you talk about poverty in georgia it's southwest georgia if you talk about covid in georgia it's going to be southwest georgia atlanta's going to get the headlines but like this is the epicenter of not of, of of these issues and it's been this epicenter for a long time it's why i try to write grants it's why i actually moved down here is because um, this is this is the you know the pinnacle of agricultural productivity in Georgia and the Southeast. Um, that doesn't count when I say the Southeast. I ain't counting like Mississippi's Southeast. I'm talking like Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, yeah. Florida. You know, uh, I'm talking about like this area here between the Flint River and the Chattahoochee River, where you have clay and with this sand and deep. That, they have that good black dirt. This is it. Well, I mean, it's red, but. Uh, <laughs> But this is it. This this is where, if you look at a map, this is the most productive cotton and peanut acres in the state. Yeah, I believe um, that. What what color did you say the dirt is? It's not black. It's red. Oh. There is some dude there. I mean, I grew up with red dirt in North Georgia, but there's also some red dirt here that you have to put sunglasses is that on. Right. Like that. You know, and oh my gosh, yeah. Especially you get over toward uh, the Alabama line, you get into like Stewart County, um, Stewart Clay down that that way. How about that? Um, That's interesting. So yes. So, yeah, Sumter, like, we've, yeah, we've got a bunch of it here. But, I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunately, it's segregated um, down, you know, racial lines um, because of the poverty. And, and I'm frankly, I'm just guessing here, and I don't, this is, I don't think this is a, I know, I'm just going to say this, is that I feel like the white community is much more likely to read the news and um, be compliant when it comes to quarantining. Um, you know, I look at the New York Times and I see all these things about this is what we're supposed to do. And, and this is this is how alarming the situation yeah. is. And then I think about how many of my African-American neighbors are reading. The New York oh, Times, not many. And, are reading yeah, the AJC. Well, but I think, you know, a lot of times that's just rural stuff. Like if you Brantley sure, County sure. has had a death. Brantley County is nearly all white. OK, but very poor yeah. county. Very, very, very poor county. They've had a death. And, but if you go to Brant, I put it like this: If you go to Brantley or North Camden, if you come up on the north end where the farm is, you, you won't see anybody wearing a mask. Um, you won't see right. any, they, the Waverly Minute Mart was having gloves. They have a, Jay put a sign out that said "Free gloves inside for your pumping gas." And I went in and got a pair, and I was like, "How many gloves have you handed out today?" He's like, "You're the first. <laughs> and it was like eight o'clock. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but. And I was in Brantley yesterday. I had to get a, a tire put on the truck, and the mechanic reached out to shake my hand. Yes. What? Yes, really? dude. And I'm like, I shook his hand, and then I immediately doused it in hand sanitizer, like in front of him. You know, and I'm sitting there like, we can't do that anymore, <laughs> man. You know, it's hard for me to be rude, you know. And But but, yeah, it, yeah. Know, but, but country folks are like that. Even Gene Talmadge in, his bio, in that biography of Gene Talmadge, he had, he had a famous quote about how country people don't believe in germs. They can't, hmm. they can't see That's it. They don't believe in it. And, I mean, there is. If you, you know, I, I get the, the definitely racially, I agree with you 100%. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, a lot of that, you know, with poverty, you get there's people less likely to read and read the newspaper and stay informed and whatever. And then. Well, they also, I, th- I think that our news is, is racially Oh, for sure. And then a know? total distrust. I mean, you got the fake, the yeah, fake too, news that now. That's a phenomenon. And, like, it seems like mainstream white America has caught on to the fact that there's fake news. But I think if you're black, you've probably known for a long time that mm. the news has always huh. been completely biased. Dude, when the Atlanta child yeah. murders were going on because it was happening to black kids, that was right, not a right, right. Man, they, yeah, if you're black, you see things totally different. And there's probably just a ginormous amount of 
distrust from the media because they don't give it. They've shown for decades they don't give a shit about you. That's a really interesting point um, about the distrust of media. Uh, what have uh, they done proceeding. to show they care? When it's a black person, a black woman that gets kidnapped, it ain't fucking front page news. Let right. it be a, a wealthy white woman from Buckhead. That's front page. News. Yeah, especially a, 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 have it a have it a twenty one year old girl in the Caribbean yeah, or something. Remember all these exactly. stories about exactly. Okay, Brandon, on that dude, <laughs> right? And you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, but nobody cares yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, Nobody cares about the child. You know, so I'm, but I'm with you, Coop. I know. I'm good, man. I'm glad you moved down there. It's great. Yeah, well, and and I and I agree. You know, I think what you said is totally true. I think that it, it transcends it transcends race across, and it becomes a rural. Um, a poor thing too. I think in South Georgia we have high concentrations of African Americans. Yeah, that's right. And so it really affects that African American community. And and in, frankly, in Albany, it's clear. It, you know, it's a high concentration in Albany with poor medical, like I said, poor medical services and uh, an aging population. You said this the last podcast too that that South Georgia is yeah, old. Yeah, that's right. And you're getting the old so people. You, you know. Yeah. You get old, poor people, and because they're poor, they probably they smoke, they drink, they drink, they have, um, they don't exercise. They probably all have diabetes, two type two diabetes, which they do. They've had, you know, that's another issue too. Is that there are all these underlying yeah. conditions because the health indicators here. Well, that's are not right. Right. That's right. Um, and and you get culturally, I think that there's just more of a yeah. a gregarious type of type of nature that likes to um, culturally. It's it's like. Tell a black churchgoer that they can't go to church. And, right. I mean, there was people in St. Mary's that was furious, white people, furious that they weren't going to have church, saying it was the devil. Oh, here comes Satan. Well, well, I mean, that's, what, you know, it, I, we'll see if it, if it holds up. But the, the, they pinpoint these two funerals that happened in Albany as um, kind of like uh, earthquakes in terms of how it, it, it uh the, the virus spread out in, in that yeah. community. Oh, it's easy um, to see. You know, because and, and, if you're like, if you're naturally skeptical of the news, so you weren't even paying attention to this a month ago, and then it's like, yeah, you're going to go to church. Yeah, you're going to go. If there's a party, you're going to go. You know, you're going to go to your family reunion, you know, whatever. And it's like this perfect yeah. scenario of like, well, nobody was paying attention because we don't trust the news. And then culturally, you know, we just, it's South Georgia is kind of an area where people, People like to congregate outside. Right. Well, I mean, I can tell you, I, I do have to go, but I can tell you last week, or, or no, since it started, man, there have been so many grill, like outdoor grill parties. Um, I mean, the first night on Sunday night after everything shut down, like, I guess that Friday, everybody decided, hey, um, you know, we're going to have any meetings and this whole country's going to like stop essentially because we need to stop congregating yeah. outside. And then it, Marvin Gaye was playing on Sunday night. You could smell the beer cooking, you know. Like, oh, uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's not, it's not it's not been unlike that for the last three or four weeks. I mean, every um, I think people anyway. Like you're trying I, I people are trying to sneak it in before like. No, they don't give a shit. They're just out there having a yeah. good time. I mean, you know, it's 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 it's, it's not a changed life yeah. at all, and, and people don't. Uh, they don't like they're not following the restrictions on socializing or keeping distance. People are having a good time. And for a lot of folks, it's like, well, hell, spring break just got extended. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a bad that's not a good metaphor. But it's, you know, summer started early. The kids came. Yeah, home, it's wild. And um, people are just chilling. wild stuff. Coop. Stay safe out there, dude.